Hello everybody and welcome to Bite-Sized Chunks of Faith. My name is John O'Pierce and in this podcast I want to share how having a Christian faith has brought hope and meaning and purpose to my life. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 133 of Bite-Sized Chunks of Faith. If you're joining us for the first time, if you've just come across the podcast, you're especially welcome. We always love to welcome new listeners. And if you want to check out, there's lots of back episodes on the podcast page. And one of the things we really appreciate is if you hear this podcast and you appreciate it, uh, why not share it on your social media? It's a great way to, to be able to share helpful content with other people And we really appreciate if you can do that for us. One of the recurring joys of doing this podcast for me is the chance to speak from time to time with interesting and inspiring people about why and how faith is important to them. And I have a really fascinating guest for you to meet in today's episode. I first encountered our guest, Sarah Yardley, on a devotional app called Lectio 365. Sarah is a regular contributor to this app, which helps people to spend time praying through scripture and helping them to connect the scriptures to their everyday lives in a reflective way. She's also a writer and she's the director of Creation Fest, which is a faith-based festival which runs in Cornwall in the UK. And so, Sarah, it is such a pleasure to speak to you today. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, I am so overjoyed. And I forgot to say earlier, I'm I'm really a big fan of the Irish accent. So I'm just going to feel like I'm enjoying a fantastic conversation separate from anything else. I know I'm not allowed to talk about accents, but I, I just I feel soothed as I hear you speak. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I hope you don't get too bored with it before too long. But Sarah, for those who haven't come across you before. I wonder if you could start off maybe by just telling people a little bit about yourself, about where you live, where you come from, and what sort of things do you like to do when you get a bit of spare time? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Welcome, and I'm really delighted to meet you via afar if you're listening. I grew up in Orange County, California, soaked in sunshine and seaside. I'm the oldest of seven children, and I am the very proud older sister to an incredibly accomplished group of siblings. I grew up in the Evangelical Christian Church Calvary Chapel, so just thought that everyone went to church every Sunday, read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and had probably been birthed out of a hippie revolution revival movement. I just thought that was normal for everybody. Um, started traveling in my 20s, went on a round-the-world trip to 34 countries, fell in love with the heart that God has for the world and some of the people around the world as well, and uh, moved to the UK at age 31. So that was nine years ago. I just celebrated 40 this year. Uh, And I've now been to 97 countries, absolutely love to read, love a good coffee. I love to walk and pray. Um, Probably my favorite prayer rhythm is the rhythm of walking prayer. And I get to live in the beautiful, still sometimes sunny, but very much seaside land uh, of Cornwall. And um, I'm heavily involved, as you said, with both Creation Fest UK and 24-7 Prayer. 
It's my great joy to love Jesus every day and invite others in my life to learn about what a beautiful adventure it is to love him well. Well, sir, that's, I think, one of the things that comes across really strongly uh, through Lectio 365, and we'll talk about that in, in a little little while, but you come across to me as somebody who is passionate about about following Jesus, and I wonder if you could share with our listeners a little bit about how and when faith became important to you as part of your life. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, the realities of a life of faith is that you, as Frederick Beekner says, you listen to your own life and you unpick moments in your story that at the time might have felt really ordinary. So I grew up in this home where Jesus was loved and honored. Both my parents were first generation Christians. And honestly, I don't remember a time when Jesus wasn't present to me. Um, I remember praying from a really young age and having this sense of a conversation with God that was unbroken. But I think like most people, there were key benchmarks along the journey where I could kind of say, oh, here's where I really learned what it was to follow Jesus. So I was nine years old when I had my first intellectual crisis of faith. I literally woke up in the middle of the night and thought, am I only a Christian because everyone around me is a Christian? And if I grew up in some other country, would I follow the faith of that country? And I still remember my dad sitting with little nine-year-old Sarah. He was actually on the phone on a 24-7 prayer hotline because that was something we did in California. And I called in. He was doing the night shift there. And he just spoke to me about Jesus being the God of love who comes to us and who doesn't wait for us to climb the ladder to get to him, but who embraces us in love wherever we are. And so I think that was the moment at which I intellectually thought, you know, Christianity makes sense. This beautiful idea of the, the pursuing nature and love of God, that, that's something I can wrap my head around. I was 16 when I realized that following Jesus was really going to cost something. And I think there's something around the sacrificial nature of faith that we don't actually talk about enough these days. That there is a costly beauty to our decision to give our whole lives over to God. And I'd say at that moment, 16 years old, caring for my elderly grandfather, feeling robbed of the life of a teenager. I didn't go to many parties, didn't uh, probably didn't get myself into quite a bit of trouble as well, but definitely had a really um, restricted experience in my teenage years. It was the point at which I realized, actually, either I'm going to give Jesus my whole life or I'm going to give him half or parts or bits of it. And so I think that was the point at which I just realized, oh, there's there's a cost and it is worth it to follow Jesus in this way. And then I would say I was 25 years old when I just had a radical encounter with the grace of God. And that's one of my heartbeat whole life messages uh, that we are more loved than we could have ever dreamed and that we need God's love more than we could have ever imagined. I'm more of a sinner than I ever dared believe and yet more loved than I ever dared hope for. And so I think that space of living in the gospel of grace is where I've both lived and continued to grow for the last 15 years. And it's amazing just to hear of, of all those kind of little key moments. And I think for, for everybody um, who's exploring faith and, and we've lots of people who have no faith, who listen to this podcast. And, and it's, it's always interesting just to hear that, that story of, of, maybe little key moments that that were significant and where where revelation came to you and uh, maybe through other people or maybe through something you discovered yourself and i guess 
since discovering it myself, I'm I'm a great advocate for um, Lectio 365, which is this uh, app that that you're involved in. And I'm wondering, again, for people who've never heard anything about it, can you tell people essentially what it is and, and how does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So the Lectio 365 app just offers daily uh, beautiful prayers of intimacy. There's a team of writers who write uh, on a regular basis. So you'll hear myself and five other contributors at least four times a year on the app. And then there's various guests who might come in and write a week of content, always centered around the ideas of scripture, rooted in creativity, hospitality, justice, mission, and learning. And uh, do you know what? I listened to this app for a couple of years and just loved it. I just loved this um I, tr- I play it. I play the audio version. I play it in the mornings whilst I'm getting ready. It just kind of prepares my heart. So instead of just mindlessly brushing my teeth, I've got some of God's word seeping over me. And when they first contacted me to write a week as a guest author, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I just thought, oh my goodness, this is one of my favorite um, resources for drawing closer to Christ and intimacy. I can't believe that I get to write a week. And then when they um, when they invited me to join the core team, I said, I know I should offer to pray about this first, but all that I'd like to say is a resounding yes. I can't wait to join the core team. And so what I'll just say briefly is that the core team, uh, Pete Gregg, Carla Harding, um, Jill Weber, and a number of others who contribute in different ways, we really spend time attending to the presence of God and thinking about how can we focus into allowing a passage of scripture to become a place in which we meet Christ in prayer. And what I think and and hope happens with this app, which is used by 250,000 people, it's used across the world by a quarter million people every day. What I hope is it provides people with a bit of a vehicle that just says the presence of God is always proximate, near, accessible to us. Have you made yourself available to listen to what God might have to say today? And uh, it's it's such a treat as a writer to read the stories of how God has met an individual in the middle of Zambia who is going through a place of pain by words that you wrote four months ago, uh, sitting in a room, just really listening to what might the Holy Spirit might want to say prophetically through this passage. So it, it's a tremendous honor to be part of it. And at the very if nothing else, it is a vehicle through which your prayer life might be enlivened and broadened. Yeah, it's an absolutely brilliant resource, as you say. And and uh, I know lots of people who who fall in love with it just through uh, the variety of the contributors. But that that real sense of attentiveness to 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 the voice of God and, and trying to communicate that to to those who might be tuning in. Um, I'm really interested, sir. You're you're a busy person, a really busy person, and 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 I know you're you're also um, deeply involved in this uh, festival, a Christian festival called Creation Fest. And again, I'm wondering, can you tell people who are listening to the the podcast today, what's Creation Fest? Who's it for, and 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 where does it happen? Yeah, absolutely. So for the last uh, nine years, I've been the mission lead for Creation Fest. We have the great joy of producing an outreach-focused festival gathering in Cornwall. Uh, so clearly, I'm suffering in my location. At, that That is a joke. I, I get to live by some of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And, you know, what we're really passionate about is 
creating spaces that celebrate what we say is the good news of the God who loves us. I think in a culture that has often doubted the goodness, the kindness, the tenderness of God, our aim is to present faith through the lens of the loving, outreach-focused, wide open arms of God. And um, we're, we're really focused on giving good invitations. So we keep the festival free to attend. Over 4,000 people came through the gates at no cost this summer. And the aim of that is to say, wherever you're at in both your budgetary journey and your faith journey, come and hear and celebrate and dance and sing and engage with something of the kindness of Jesus. And one of the other things that's quite core to our um, both festival event and year-round ministry is a really volunteer-shaped um, ethos. So myself and most of the core team are completely voluntary. We're giving our time, believing that both God will provide for our financial needs and also believing that, like that beautiful scripture says, that there was gladness in the house of God when the people gave themselves willingly. And so we've got something, um, I'd say, just core to our leadership and our ethos, which is to say, come and lead, but only come and lead if you want to. And uh, there's been such generosity, such beautiful sacrifice, such costly beauty that's come with that over the years, along with some tremendous testimonies of people meeting Jesus or taking the next step in their faith journey. So the festival happens in Cornwall. In Cornwall from the 1st through 4th of August, 2024. So if you're listening, um, feel free to just kind of save that date. Our website is creationfest.org.uk. And we've been in Cornwall since 2009, but also spent seven years in North Devon before that. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I guess when when I hear about this this festival, we we have a similar sort of festival in, in Ireland where I live called Summer Madness. Yes. And, um, it's uh, again one of the areas I think that, that the church really seems to be struggling with at present is 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 connecting with with young people and and inspiring them to follow Jesus and and I'm wondering what what do you think as a practitioner might might help us um, in reaching out to young people more efficiently or effectively? Big question. Yeah. It's a huge question. And, you know, I'm so aware of all the cultural challenges, but I also, in my own life experience, practitioner, I just think relationship is the currency of the kingdom. And so I think for our 21st century generation, Holy Spirit, give us creativity, blow our minds, show us how to use this technology in a way that shows the gospel of your kingdom. But at the end of the day, the thing that has most made an impact in the lives of the young people I know is very simple, beautiful relationship. God's given us this friendship group with some of the local teenagers in our town. And I literally met them because I heard a screaming match outside of my offices at the bus stop. I walked outside and as it turns out, there was uh, quite an angry older woman screaming at the teenagers. And I thought it was the other way around. I thought the teenagers were screaming at her. Um, post-COVID emotions ran high everywhere. And so I said to this group of year nine teenagers, guys, perhaps we could just go buy some ice cream. Because I do think sometimes in order to diffuse a situation, you need some sweetness. And ice cream was my simplest solution. So I, I took this group of 14 teenagers and we just went, walked to a local ice cream shop and I bought them all an ice cream. It was like my little bonus food budget for the week went into that. And that group of 14 teenagers, two years later, 
would still lovingly follow me into almost any sort of gathering that we invite them to. None of them have yet professed faith in Jesus Christ. None of them have yet completely broken out of the cycles of their lives. But there's a relationship and a sense of the love of God and a growing friendship. And I believe with the generation of young people who often carry an orphan spirit and are quite literally orphaned, who've been faced with toxic relationships and broken promises, who've had the pain and challenge of abuse done to them and sometimes have even become the abusers of others, that what they are deeply hungry for is love. And that what any Christian at any time can do is ask the Holy Spirit, how can I show God's love? How can I be the hands and feet of Christ in the community in which I live? And also just to look for what what's the opportunity? What's the open door? And um, I was struck by this really beautiful sign in London that says love is the running towards. And I've just been turning that over. What does it look like for me to run towards places of need in my community with the love of God? That's really beautiful and, and, and very powerful. And I think, like you say, Sometimes we, we feel a bit overwhelmed by what to do or, or how to do it. And, and uh, maybe sometimes it, it's stripping it back to those things that you mentioned, like like relationship. And, and um, I'm wondering um, when you when you describe your own journey, as you did very beautifully earlier on, um, were there some individuals who were particularly significant on, on your faith journey, Sarah? There were so many individuals who were particularly significant on my faith journey. Um, One of the things that I would say wholeheartedly is I would not be the person I am in Jesus Christ if a generation of wiser, generous, older leaders hadn't given me the opportunity to try, hadn't given me the opportunity to fail, and hadn't spoken over me what I could not yet see in myself. That particularly in my younger years, I was deeply insecure. I had no vision for what spiritual leadership might have looked like. I thought that my best life dream would be to someday be a librarian and sit and sort books and then give the books to somebody else. I didn't imagine I would have anything to say, but I knew that the books might. And um, I think that over the years, God has brought specific individuals to speak over me, the calling of Christ. And I'll just choose three um, for the sake of this podcast, but I could speak 30. Um, In my younger years of ministry, I went to a church called Calvary Chapel, and Chuck Smith was the leader of that church. He sparked a spiritual revival that ended up birthing 1,500 churches around the world. He was the most unassuming and humble of leaders. And when I was quite young, 21 years old, he gave me the opportunity to lead a $7 million ministry with 24 staff employees in a space in which I had some experience, but definitely so much to grow in. And he gave me the chance to lead in a way that was both practical and spiritual, and then walked with me and showed me how to grow in leadership. And I will forever owe a a beautiful debt to the opportunities that he gave me. In my 20s, I went to work with a leader named Britt Merritt. And Britt is a surfboard shaper, church planter, pastor, preacher, And when I worked alongside him, I just learned so much about ministry flowing from intimacy with Christ and that the kingdom's relationships are first and foremost that we would be with Jesus. And secondly, that you would be with others. I still, almost every time I write an email, I hear his voice in my head saying to me, more love, more love, 
more love because I would write my emails without very much love. And um, he just showed me what it was to live with the radiant kindness of God. And then um, it links into this podcast, but I would say Pete Gregg has been one of the most influentially kind leaders I have known and worked with. I met him quite late into my story, but the way that he has opened doors and spoken the grace of the kingdom and also been a real companion in wrestling through the ideas of faith grounded in the language of our culture. And we've had the chance to work on a number of projects together that have just been absolutely eye-opening to me. So uh, I've chosen, and it's always true, three men who invested in me as well. And I think there's something significant around that because the narrative can often be that women have felt limited or not raised up in their leadership. And I hear the wounds of those real stories. But I would just say as a woman, as a female single leader, the men in my life have spoken so much of the grace and confidence of God's kingdom over me. And I'm so grateful for those relationships. I think that's a really, a really powerful thing to share. And, and again, um, Often it's it's those people that 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 help us to believe in ourselves when we don't believe in ourselves, and give us the the courage and and uh, walk with us through those those tentative steps that we take in leadership when we don't feel uh, up to the task. It, it's a, it's a marvelous thing uh, when when they 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 give you permission and they 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 set you free to become uh, the the wonderful leader that that you can become, and. Uh, one of the things, Sarah, that 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 uh, I notice in in both your contributions to to Lectio and and in, in other areas where I've read some of your work is that you're 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 a voracious reader. You mentioned wanting to be a librarian in your earlier life, and um, and as a, as a voracious reader, I wonder again, similar sort of question. I'm sure you could choose stacks and stacks of people, but are there any um, spiritual writers or books that you might recommend? to some of our listeners who might be curious about faith or maybe seeking to go a little bit deeper? Um, that's a hard question, again, to kind of narrow down. Um, I myself, I think Pete Gregg is a fantastic writer and and, and um, his books, and we've used some of his courses here in, in our own uh, church setting. But but um, what what about any any that you might recommend to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll leave Pete to the side, although I would have backed that wholeheartedly. Um, I'd, I'd say that the most significant authors in my journey have been um, Henri Nouwen, Frederick Buechner, and Eugene Peterson. That kind of trio have set the tone for a formed spiritual life and identity. Um, and to borrow the title of one of Peterson's books, they've also just incarnated a long obedience in the same direction. So if I had to choose the kind of the trio who have most formed my life spiritually, those three have been the spiritual companions alongside Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who have formed my soul. Um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit clearly at a much deeper level. Um, But alongside that, I read broadly and I read deeply. And one of the things I would say is that as an individual who's entranced by words and the way that they shape our stories, I'm always looking for the way that the story of God speaks into the stories of our culture. And so I recently read a really beautiful, bulky fiction novel called The Brothers K, uh, which my friend Tyler Staten recommended to me. 
And it's this like sprawling, messy adventure with prayer. It talks about the ways that we're longing for God to work and also um, what the pain of that might look like in a family. Um, the author of that one is David James Duncan. I've been really influenced by Ignatian spirituality. So I've recently read the book Finding God in All Things by Margaret Applethwaite. And it was written in the 1980s, but it is one of the most phenomenal pieces of spiritual work that I've read. And then if anyone just wants to grow in contemplative prayer, this kind of idea of just sitting with Jesus, then I would highly recommend The Joy of Listening to God by Joyce Huggett, The Sense of God's Presence and Life Within Me, Dunned Me into Silence. Um, Joyce's work just capture something of the honest, articulate longing for the presence of God in a way that's phenomenal. And alongside that, Ruth Haley Barton has certainly been a spiritual companion to me along the way. You will now have to cut me off or else this will turn into a list of books Sarah has read that she recommends. Um, but that would be a starter pack for someone who might want to go slightly deeper in the journey of life and spirituality, falling in love with Jesus. They're, they sound really good recommendations, and and uh, I love the way you, you you recommend some fiction in there as well. Um, I've just finished a, a a really interesting novel by a man called James Runcie, and James Ooh. a son of a former Archbishop of Canterbury called Robert Runcie, and uh, he's written a series of kind of crime novels about a uh, a fictitious clergyman called Grantchester, the Grantchester Mysteries. And this book is called The Road to Grantchester, and, and it sort of explores um, this man's calling to to ordain ministry uh, in the context of war. He's he's returning from war. And um, I just thought it was a super read and, and uh, sort of explores very deep themes in, in, in the in the realm of fiction. And um, it's called The Road what? to Grantchester. I, I'm already anticipating googling that and having a little having a little play. So that sounds yeah. fantastic. Well, I got it out of my local library, and and it's a great read, really good read. Amazing. Um, the the last thing, Sarah, I'm gonna uh, well, two last things I'm gonna do. But the first one is um, what comes through again, time and time again in in our conversation, is that you are a woman who who clearly loves the the scriptures, and you want the scriptures to inform your thinking, to inform your life. And you sort of put yourself in the way of that on every opportunity. And I guess, again, like many of the other unfair questions that I've asked you, and um, there will be maybe passages or verses that have been particularly important in your life. And, and maybe there might have been passages that were particularly important at a particular time. Um, but I wonder if you could share maybe one or two of those. Um, and again, some of our listeners are not familiar with scripture at all and they may not know anything about it. So if you can just tell us maybe about one or two that, that you think might be helpful to people. Yeah, that's a beautiful open question and a beautiful challenge because I've lived my life soaked in scripture. So it's like asking a surfer where their favorite beach is. And mm -hmm. um, it's, it's difficult to pin the one or two that have shaped our stories. Um, so if you've not yet read or engaged with scripture, I always just start with the life of Jesus. I'm captivated, charmed, and entranced by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one of love. And I would say that over the course of my story, there have been so many moments where scripture has become the book that reads me. So I truly live in a daily discipline of reading God's word and believing that God has something to say to me 
every day through his word. And um, in light of that, I think I'll just share one thing from this week as a starter for 10. I'm reading through the book of Proverbs, mostly because at this point in my life, I've just turned 40. I recognize how much I still need to grow in wisdom. And it's something I am longing for on every level. And I was reading just yesterday, I'd, I'd had a really painful conversation with a friend. And I was wrestling with how do I navigate the pain of this conversation? And there's this scripture in Proverbs that just speaks about the way that anxiety weighs our hearts down. And I I remember reading it and thinking, oh my goodness, this is exactly how I feel right now. Anxiety in my heart, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, is weighing me down. And then the contrast that it gives, because Proverbs often says, here's one way of living and then here's God's way of living. A good word will make our hearts glad. And I I sat in it and thought, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm weighed down right now. I'm longing for a good word to make my heart glad. And what I'll just say is it wasn't one single good word that just shifted everything and then bam, life was miracle. Um, but the course of the next day, I just spent time looking for speaking and longing for a good word and holding on to the good words. Uh, we can sometimes choose which words we hold. And so I held on to as many of the good words as possible. And by the time I then reached the next day and opened scripture and looked at that scripture that was following it, I thought, oh, I'm no longer weighed down with the same anxiety and the same particular worry I was carrying yesterday morning. The good words have made my heart glad. And while I could tell many stories from many scriptures over many parts of my life, I think that maybe gives a little snapshot of this idea of approaching God's word as though there's a fresh meal laid out for us. As it says in Proverbs 20, uh, Psalm 23, you've prepared a feasting area before me, even in the places where I feel attacked by enemies. Goodness and mercy are chasing after me every day of my life. When I read God's word as though there's a fresh feast laid out for me, and I don't approach it trying to capture all the sloppy leftovers, I find that is it is indeed the living word of God, like it says in Hebrews chapter four, sharper than even a two-edged sword. It pierces between even the thoughts and intents of my heart, and it brings and births life within me. That is beautiful, Sarah. Thank you so much. And, and um, I want to say um, thank you for, for taking the time to speak to us on the pad- podcast today. And I guess the last thing I want to ask you is, um, people who, who are listening today, um, supposing they wanted to find out a little bit more uh, in terms of, of Creation Fest or Lectio 365 or uh, any of your writings, I know you've written a book, um, where, where, where would they go to find this stuff? Where would they go? Where, where indeed. So my full name is Sarah Yardley, S-A-R-A-H Yardley, Y-A-R-D-L-E-Y. Probably the simplest thing would just be to go to my website, sarahyardley.com. That'll have links to, I think, everything we have just said. I've written a short book called More Change, about walking with Christ in the times of change in our lives. And um, the Lectio 365 app is available on the App Store. It's easy to download. It's free of charge. I'll be next appearing in the month of October and also present on a variety of episodes upcoming. And then Creation Fest is creationfest.org.uk, a fantastic summer festival gathering with a year-round presence in Cornwall, clearly communicating the love of Jesus and giving the good invitation to walk in his presence. 
We would love to connect with you at any of those. But for all of the listeners, what a beautiful way that you have stewarded conversations around walking in the intimacy of God's presence. So whether you engage with any of those things, my prayer is that you might, by listening to this podcast, have a sense of God's nearness towards you, his love towards you, and his pursuing kindness every day of your life. I think that's an absolutely beautiful note to finish on, Sarah. Thank you so much for your time today and every blessing in your work. It's been a real joy to speak with you this morning. Thank you. You too. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. And if you were kind enough to hit follow or subscribe or even leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated. Join me again next week for another bite-sized chunk of faith.